Whether you're a polyamateur or polyambitious, polyambiguous or polyam, I really hold your head high. Let your freaky flag fly, cause your polyamory should be uncensored. Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Welcome to episode 77, where we're talking to Christian about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. So hi, Christian. Uh, who are you? Hi. Yeah, I'm, I'm Christian. Um, I'm a writer, I guess, primarily, uh, um, or more generally, a, I guess, a, a creative. Um, I do a lot of design work, uh, worked in marketing um, as a copywriter for the last five years. Uh, before that, I got my master's degree from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas in creative writing, specifically in poetry. Before that, a master of fine arts, or sorry, a bachelor of fine arts from SUNY Potsdam, also in, in creative writing, specifically in poetry. Yeah, other than that, I don't know. I'm just a guy. I'm 29, Sagittarius. People care about that. Enneagram 7, Enneagram 4. That's great. So what does polyamory mean to you? Um, do you mean by definition or kind of what has been my experience of it? Either one. We tend to leave these questions kind of open-ended and see how the conversation goes. Sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, I think especially, oof, like uh, now uh, being kind of the head of this organization centered on um, creating a, a new polyamorous pride flag uh, with a community vote. It's, it's really forced me to reckon with the language that we use to talk about ourselves in the community. You know, the differences, the subtle differences between polyamory and ethical non-monogamy and consensual non-monogamy, non-monogamy in general, and all of those things. So definition-wise, I definitely, I don't want to exclude anyone because I know how it feels to be excluded and to feel excluded. So, um, at the same time, I feel like having limitations on a definition can be really helpful. So I think I see polyamory more as like a an identity, you know, um, like relationship orientation, but in a way that feels intrinsic to one's self and selfhood. Uh, though also there is like a significant amount of overlap with ethical non-monogamy. Um, and I also recognize too that a lot of people identify as polyamorous, but don't identify as naturally or intrinsically polyamorous, rather that um, they bear the identity of, of polyamory, but also recognize that they have very much chosen it as a lifestyle. I think in my life, I, I do, uh, I'm both. And as a quick aside, uh, what is your organization? Sure. Yeah. So I, a couple months ago, uh, started this uh, organization called Polyam Proud. Now it's, it's, um, we describe it as a not-for-profit, but it is by no means like a um, an official like 
organization in terms of like tax or law. Um, it's really just a group of volunteers. It started with just just two people, myself and another designer uh, named Jan uh, Knoll, who is in the Netherlands. Um, and we kind of found each other on Reddit, which is not my favorite place to be, <laughs> the, especially the the r slash polyamory subreddit. I think it's kind of a uh, can be kind of a dangerous place, I think, especially for new folks to the community. But I, I had a gripe with the the flag, the the original polyam flag with the the pie symbol on it, and or several gripes, I suppose, and went ahead and thought that I <laughs> had the the pedigree or whatever to design my own, um, designed my own, and then I saw maybe a week, week, two weeks later, yawn posted um, his own design and I thought, oh, there's competition now. Uh, but he, he actually got in touch with me um, and he said like, hey, I don't, I don't mean to like stomp on the thing that you did, um, but this is like really important to me too. Would you mind working together? And then kind of in doing that, we, we realized that we might've been the only two people who had attempted to design the flag or redesign the flag that had ever like gotten into touch with each other and said like, oh, what if we put our heads together actually? And in doing that realized this could be far bigger than just like a couple of people that think they have the chops to design a new flag. Um, and in part, because we realized that the community also because of that maybe looseness of the definitions, the community is so big and so diverse that there has been no way for us all to agree on a flag and no opportunity where we all have the same platform to do so. And that's obviously like identities or relationship styles within the community, but also um, in the global community as well. You know, polyamorous people um, outside of the English speaking world um, are, don't have nearly the say in, you know, the, the leadership of polyamory or what, what polyamory looks like within the community and to the rest of the world. Um, and we thought there's a real um, need here to have voices outside of just Western white male voices being a part of this. So I kind of inadvertently sort of pitched the idea as like, a, oh, what if to um, my partners and they got on board. They were just excited to see me excited about something. And I started coming up with, yeah, we started together kind of coming up with a game plan. So it's the, the, the core members of the organization are myself, uh, Jan, uh, and also Mac Flurry, who she would more likely introduce herself as Sarah Flurry, but within the organization, we all call her Mac. And yeah, we've been growing the team. We now have uh, 20 volunteers in um, at least six different countries right now and maybe seven actually uh, we are just getting into contact with folks from um, asia we are we've already been in contact with some folks in africa though that's been uh, kind of challenging but um yeah our whole thing is to finally officially redesign the polyamorous pride flag that's really cool and i guess for folks who don't know the the current official unofficial i don't know if it's ever been called official uh, but the flag i see the most often is like red black and blue with a pie symbol in the middle and yep. then sometimes i'll see online uh an infinity heart so i assume you probably 
want to get rid of pie. I don't know. I mean, because it is confusing to folks, right? And oftentimes, I think even the designer said he wanted it to be subtle enough that only the people who knew what the symbol meant would know what it what it meant. Yep, that's correct. So, um, yeah, that's um, in in symbology or um, uh, vexillology, which is the you know study of flag design. Um, there's this uh, there's a term that's used called the furtive shibboleth, which is um, a symbol or a, a, a phrase or some some type of representative um, concept that um, is identifiable to people who are in the know. Um, but that can um, hide in plain sight, basically, among people who are not in the know. If you think of like a, you know, super spies using like that code language, it's like the mail was sent on Friday and then the, the person will respond with some like, oh, the raccoon's den is <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever it may be, but they know what the, the code means. That was, that was how Jim Evans, who designed the original flag, intended to design it and to use it. And... Uh, even goes so far as to relate that the bar of black uh, at the at the base of that flag uh, with solidarity for people who are polyamorous but closeted. Um, oh. Yeah, which is, I think, n noble um, and very much makes mm -hmm. sense for the time that the flag was designed, which was in 1995. Um, oh, okay, wow. Yeah. But um, also, at that time, the internet was so tiny and also the polyamorous community maybe was huge, but not at all connected. And now, you know, 30 years into the internet, the world and the polyamorous community is a very, very different place. And we just feel that this flag is no longer really representative of the polyamory that we know and love and live. Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense. Uh, well, getting back into our questions, sure, yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll pop back in. Oh, no, that's okay. I, I, I said as an aside because I do want it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we love digressions. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so when did you know you were poly? Um, you know, that's a great that's a great question. Uh, I was thinking about it because, uh, you know, you showed me those questions beforehand. But it's hard to say because I didn't know about the terminologies, you know, ethical non-monogamy or, or polyamory until... I guess 2019, maybe. Um, so quite recently. Um, but I think that I um, always knew that there was something like going on that was maybe other um, in my life. Um, even when I look back, there's so much, that, you know, in the work that I do in therapy with my therapist, I, I feel like there's, there are so many moments where I'm talking about an event from when I was a teenager or an event from when I was a child that now retroactively knowing all of these terminologies and knowing about polyamory, I'm like, Oh, like it should have been so obvious uh, to me and all the people around me. And I can't tell you how many people who like of my friends that I've um, come out to, I guess as polyamorous um, and they go, Oh yeah, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds right for you. I, I think that I've just always felt this kind of, I've never broken up with someone and felt like I didn't still like totally love them, even if the breakup was messy or, or whatever it may be. Uh, I just, I feel like I'd never let go of those feelings. And so that just becomes like a cumulative, <laughs> like buildup of uh, loves over time rather than sort of the uh, starting and stopping. And then it, 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 
began to occur to me more recently. Like this is, these can be concurrent also. What drew you to polyamory? Um, me, I think. Um, uh, it's interesting. So I've, I've had a partner for 11 years now. Um, that, that, when we first got together, we kind of, without having the vocabulary for it, um, talked about how, like, when I love someone, I, I, like, don't stop loving them. And, like, I have gotten out of this relationship just recently, but I still love that person. And, like, that person will always be in my life. Um, and that's kind of, like, how I approach relationships. And so we had this um, understanding that this wasn't maybe going to be, like, the most traditional approach to monogamy. But there was also this kind of relatively unspoken agreement to be monogamous and then without um airing you know the the finer and more maybe more challenging details of our lives um it just became evident to both of us that um it was time for some kind of change it just appeared that non-monogamy was a step in the right direction um and we i would say did not a great job of becoming non-monogamous together. Um, it was really challenging and um, we didn't do any research beforehand. And um, um, in part because uh, at the time, I think it just to me had always felt like so natural that it seemed like, uh, yeah, I can just do this like, cause I'm fine. I'm fine to just do this, but there's, <laughs> uh, that was uh, very untrue um, and very sort of pigheaded of me. And I wish that, that I uh, had not had that hubris uh, going into this, but, but since um, we've both done just tons of work and tons of research uh, on our own and together in finding, you know, some of the most important pieces of literature, you know, a polysecure and more than two, barring the, you know, the controversy surrounding one of its authors more recently. Um, but um, I remember reading like the first couple of pages of more than two and just crying and thinking like, this is, I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe this has existed simultaneously with me existing. And like, it, I'm only just coming to it because it, everything that was said felt so felt like it was speaking directly to me and also younger versions of me that, that were like constantly questioning, like, why, why is there this like weird track that we get locked into of the, you know, the relationship escalator um, and all of these expectations uh, of our futures? Like, why, why can we not just like build our relationships in a different way or the way that we want to? Um, so yeah, there was, the, the chronology is not spectacular, but I think, but the, the work and the research came, um, did come and, and is, is ongoing. And so I, I, I think it was, um, finally it, the draw was that there was this existing kind of structure and existing, um, set of tenets and ideas that I found were really quite aligned with the way that I already participated in my relationships and in the world. Yeah, I had a, one of those kind of moments when I was reading Polysecure. I had already been poly for 15 years. And in reading that book, I was like, 
oh my God, you know, I was, I was listening to the audio book and I would have to pause it and just like say my thoughts out loud as I'm like driving and be like, this is what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was just so interesting. Like, yeah, that you can still learn so much even when you've been doing it a while. Like you just learn more about yourself. You learn more about your partners and why they do and why you do what you do. Yeah, yeah it's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I, and I think there's such a great overlap between... Uh, the work that we do in polyamory as partners, um, uh, that's sort of uh, trying trying to move toward um, better communication or, or more effective communication, maybe um, trying to move toward mutual understanding, trying to move toward um, being comfortable with setting boundaries and setting expectations with each other. Um, there's so much of that work that overlaps with the like shadow or self work that so many of us are doing in our own, you know, individual therapy. And therefore there's also this great phenomenon of intentionality and I don't want to say consciousness, but real intentionality and really, a really deliberate approach to selfhood and existence and, um, and partnership that maybe we we often don't see in the world of monogamy because of the the phenomenon of compulsory monogamy, right? Yeah, because it's seen as the default and people just don't think about it. Yep. Yeah. And it's so interesting because even in reading Polysecure and in reading other books about polyamory, I'm always like, this would be so helpful to monogamous folks. Like, it <laughs> yeah. just, like, it, it does not really matter like polysecure is just about you know the attachment theory and how it is a little bit different when you're thinking about polyamorous relationships but i was like all of this information is so universal yes yeah i you know it's it's funny because i think that about the ethical slut i think that about more than two um i think that about so much of the information that that goes out about you know coping with jealousy and um all these things communication yeah communication monogamous people need it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, there's just uh, and so we um, at Poly and Proud we we designed this symbol in part to be kind of almost like planting a flag of you know we're that's I didn't mean to use that <laughs> that, that language <laughs> planting a flag um, to basically to have a symbol that was recognizable as like you know th- this is this is a new approach to polyamory this is a new approach to um, getting getting the community on board with, with a flag instead of, um, you know, and making something new instead of uh, choosing a symbol that we've inherited. Um, so we, I designed this, uh, what I call the polycule symbol. Um, although um, maybe it's a, a bit of a misnomer because it's not meant at all to represent polycule style polyamory. Um, it's just like a little, you know, it's a group of things that are together. So it seems a little molecule-like. And, Do you mean um, this one? Yes, that's the okay. one. Yeah, yeah, the five hearts in, in, a, in a ring and the, the points are all pointed inward. Um, this and is not a visual medium, but yes. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, exactly. Everyone can look at your Instagram too, Polly, I'm proud. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. The, but that, so that symbol we designed with a, a couple things in mind, but uh, one of them was that each heart would represent like a different core value uh, as we see it within polyamory or ethical non-monogamy. So um, it's love, openness, honesty, commitment, and consent. So each of those hearts represents a different value. Um, 
within the polyamorous community. And we've had a couple of people, um, you know, in critiquing our, our symbol say, well, that's just, um, those are just the values of any good relationship, you know? And we say, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. yeah, we're not that different. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think so much of our mission, um, in, in creating this flag in, you know, re revitalizing the look, I guess, of, of polyamory and creating this new symbol. So much of this is focused on normalizing non-monogamy, normalizing polyamory, which I think is also necessarily a, a denormalization and a deconstruction of systemic monogamy. Um, not monogamy as a relationship style, like a chosen thoughtful relationship style, but monogamy as compulsory monogamy or as, as this kind of um, uh, default system that we are, we're born into, whether we like it or not, in, in most of the world. Um, and so uh, we think it's actually quite fitting that our, our symbol feels like appropriate for any relationship. Um, because, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> like the relationship should have these things um, present within them as the norm whether those relationships are monogamous or polyamorous. Well, I think it also goes to the idea that one does not have to be in multiple relationships to be polyamorous. Yep, correct. Each of your relationships should have these values, however many of them there might be. Absolutely. Yeah, this, we, we definitely see the symbol as um, uh, we think it and we believe and designed it to be um, versatile enough that the solo polyamorous can can find themselves in it, the relationship anarchists can find themselves in it. Um, you know that even folks that are maybe a little bit more um, fringe on, between polyamory and and just non-monogamy, but the, you know swingers and and folks in open relationships, triads and thruples, and um, you know people with just comets and uh, geographical non-monogamy, all that stuff. Um, we definitely. Uh, designed the symbol to be for everyone that 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 claims polyamory or ethical non-monogamy as their selfness. So, what do you find difficult about polyamory? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think um, it's interesting because uh, I think so many of the people who describe themselves as like born polyamorous or naturally polyamorous are folks that the experience of jealousy is a little bit uh, more like unfamiliar or even inaccessible to them. So I think non-monogamy has definitely tested that <laughs> within me. And I think that's okay. Uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, I think there are also a lot of people who are like really happy to be like, well, I don't, I don't feel jealousy. Um, you know, I'm enlightened in some way. Um, I don't really think that's it. <laughs> I don't, I think that like jealousy is one of a range of, so many human emotions and I, I'd honestly be kind of sad if I didn't get to feel it sometimes. And of course I've, I've felt jealousy in other situations in my life. Like, um, you know, someone gets a, a job that I wanted or someone gets, it, you know, some creative work recognized, uh, you know, actually I, I don't really even love going to concerts because like I always played music. Um, and especially when I was younger, when I was like, a teenager and I was like so dead set on like being in a band and <laughs> all this stuff like, going to concerts made me really uncomfortable because I would spend the entire time feeling like why can't I be up there 
Yeah, I think I I, I don't think that like jealousy is so foreign to me. Uh, it's just that my experience of jealousy within relationships is maybe uh, not at all similar to what you would see on like I don't know mainstream TV or movies or whatever. Sure. I don't remember what the question was. I'm so sorry. Uh, what do you, find, do you find difficult? Oh, oh yeah. So jealousy. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah jealousy. The, but I wish I had not spent so much time on that because I. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what I what I really find difficult is so I'm also like coming into a place in my life where I'm dealing with well, I feel more aware of different mental emotional and neurological challenges that I was maybe like passively aware of in the past, but now I like, again, have definitions for these things. So for example, like I was diagnosed with panic disorder. Um, and one of the things that I find difficult in, in polyamory is like dating in dating and like in becoming vulnerable with people, there's this like there's a desire to want to open up and like talk about oneself and it is exhausting to just like relive that trauma, you know, to, to like dive into like, Oh, I had this massive panic attack. I didn't know what it was. And I thought I was going crazy. And like, I'm still trying to figure out how to like leave that trauma behind. And it's still like very present for me and having to, talk about it even right now right like I'm, I'm like trying to like refocus myself but having having to relive that and having to like talk about it over and over um is is challenging and also especially um in situations where you find out that like oh maybe that person wasn't someone that I needed to open up to about that because like they don't actually want to be in a relationship with me or whatever so that also, I think I struggle a lot with like feeling the need to cater to other people, a very uh, people pleaser, which is maybe paired with uh, the ADHD like fixations and um, perfectionism. And so it's a real challenge to set boundaries with myself. I think that's it's also that's one of the big things in, in polyamory that that I have difficulty with is being realistic about like, Oh, I, I can't accomplish that many things in one day. I can't like see um, three different people and like do these like three activities and like feel really present and like not waiting for the, the moment that I leave so that I can get to the next thing on time. And so, yeah, definitely being aware of my own boundaries around energy and time has been challenging. So where would you say that you are on your poly journey? That's tricky. I, I, I think I'm in a place where I'm trying to. So it's funny. I, I know that like coming out is like quite a Western concept. And, and there's so many places in the world where it's like not necessary or not expected to come out. You just kind of like live the way that you live. And hopefully everyone's cool with that. Um, but also, uh, I think that there are some like significant social like pressure points. Um, that sort of urge coming out or place some urgency on it. And so I'm in a place where I have spoken to my parents about um, participating in non-monogamy, though I have not spoken to them about identifying as polyamorous. So I think like 
there's that whole like just a phase narrative is maybe happening for them where like, oh, they just are trying to, you know, explore themselves or whatever. Sowing his wild oats. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it, it's not, you know, it's I, it's so it's very clear to me that this is not a phase that this is quite likely permanent. And even if it wasn't permanent, I think that's fine, too. But I think where I am in my journey, I suppose, is um, trying to build a base of like validating evidence, like evidence that validates polyamory as like a, um, a way of life and as like a legitimate way to be, um, to then present that evidence to my parents um, and say, this is who I am. We don't need to talk about it. You don't need to understand, but it's also like, it's, it's bigger than just, um, you know, a whim. Like I wasn't just like restless. Um, this is more than that. And this is also to say the very, this is very much like me, like that's personal, yeah. uh, um, to me and not everyone is going to have that experience and certainly not everyone needs evidence um, and I'm also, that's another thing that I'm trying to work through is like, there's no certificate of polyamory. There's no, like, I'm not going to get a little ID card in the mail that says like, yep, this guy's polyamorous. So don't give him shit for it. But uh, as someone, no litmus test, you can't come to the party if you don't have at least two partners. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in a place where I'm just trying to be confident in uh what i what i'm doing what i believe in what i feel enough that i can have a conversation with my parents uh where i don't feel like i'm where i'm not worried that where i'm not worried about letting them down because i'm sure that they will be let down for whatever reason but um i guess trying to come to a place where i don't really care <laughs> whether they're let down well, and our next question is, uh, where do you hope to go in your poly journey? Uh, that's also challenging because of I, I've been trying to avoid like future tripping, you know, like setting setting goals that like like that maybe I will be let down or I will feel like I have failed if I don't achieve them, or if my like partnerships, the boundaries within my partnerships don't allow me to reach those goals. So. <laughs> barring barring the that i think i just want to like really well there's like my personal goal and then there's the goal and like in in my community participation and i think my personal goal is like just to be able to coexist um in a more or less like kitchen table style polyamory in and find some sense of equilibrium because i think that it takes a really long time to find equilibrium in polyamory versus monogamy because there are more variables. Um, so yeah, I think, I think equilibrium is my personal goal. And then like within the community, I think just like normalization um, and f creating a kind of creating a pathway toward, you know, the different civil rights that are, that we're like barred from, um, as polyamorists right now in many parts of the world, including the U.S. Actually, that reminds me, do you have um, anyone involved in the organization from South Africa? 
So they're really currently in an interesting conversation about yes. polyamory or non-monogamy. Yeah, they are right there. So they're, um, they're right now looking at a law that introduces polyandry as a, a legal practice in, in addition to the, like, I don't know, maybe centuries long existence of polygamy or polygyny. So we, we have reached out to some folks from South Africa. We also have a connection with an educator in the UK who knows quite a few people in, in Africa and in South Africa, but we still have our fingers crossed about whether we can actually make those connections work. We're trying. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It just occurred to me in the course of that, your earlier comment, like, oh, wait, that makes mm-hmm. sense. <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely. And that, I think that, that that's another reason why the, the like sort of defining polyamory and defining ethical non-monogamy is so important to this um, push for a new flag, because um, I think there are just a lot of people asking, well, like who gets to have it? Whose flag is this actually? Um, and so like, does this flag also belong to polygynists? Does this flag also belong to polygamists, polyandrists? Um, and uh, I think the answer that we have to that is that we don't really know, you know? Um, we have no way of policing who uses this flag. Um, we have no way of um, controlling uh, who claims to be polyamorous. And again, it, it comes back to that like credential, right? Like there's, how, how, does, how does someone prove their polyamory? Well, this is an interesting question, Christian, because you sort of could try to control who uses the flag, like mm. copyright law and things like that are kind of heavy weapons that can be wielded by people. You can't wield them perfectly in a internet world, but you can wield them heavily and clumsily if you decide you want to sink a lot of resources into that. Or you can take an approach that sounds more like what you've taken, which is to say, we've created this symbol and we want to make it available to the people who it speaks to. Mm. And that's a very different approach to like shared resources and shared symbols. And it also leads to the challenge of, you know, we might be coming from this particular point of view around multiple relationships that reflects a maybe different set of values than historical polygamy or some of the other people who participate in multiple relationships have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we could decide to be inclusive. We could decide to be, to attempt to be exclusive, or we could decide to wait and see what happens. Sure. Yeah. So I think I, I think quite flatly, like I I don't know enough about the values of polygamy or polygyny or polyandry to speak to like how much crossover there is between um, the values that we're hoping to be present on this flag um, and the values of those communities. Um, though I also know that there's like quite a separation between polygamy and the the queer community in in Africa, for example, that. You know, in in Africa and in a lot of places in the world uh, and also still in the U.S., there there are people who identify as 
queer, whether that's, you know, trans or lesbian or gay, though there are people who identify with those like sexual or gender orientations who are being killed. And there's here in in the U.S. and in the Western world in general, there's like quite an intersection and interplay between polyamory and the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, but I think there are other parts of the world in which that is decidedly not the case. And so like, does, will this flag speak to enough of that intersection that it'll spread that way throughout the world? Or will it be kind of a, a banner of um, a, a more heteronormative approach to polyamory? I don't know, but I do know that our plan is uh, to make this to as soon as the flag is chosen to register it in Creative Commons and have it available for free for as many people as possible. And now the symbol that we've created, we don't know whether the symbol is going to end up on the flag flatly. And that's because we're creating a committee of people who are not us. So I'm not on the committee Jan, our other designer, is not on the committee. There's no one that's within our group of volunteers that's on this committee. The committee will be made up of fewer than 20 people. Um, I think, in my opinion, the, the fewer the better to basically act as representatives of the community, uh, the polyamorous and non-monogamous community throughout the world. We Our goal is to have at least one person from each continent, barring Antarctica, and have just a, a variety of different um, identities represented, sexual, socioeconomic background, gender, um, race, ethnicity, nationality, linguistic, having also different fields of expertise present. So we don't want a committee that's just full of designers or artists um, that we want them. We, we want a couple people to, to have that sensibility. And so going, going through this committee means that we have currently no idea what that final flag is going to look like. It may well have an infinity heart on it. Uh, it may well have a pie symbol on it. It may have no symbol at all. Our, our, I mean, we would love to have our symbol, um, the, the polycule five heart symbol on, on the flag, but, um, because how great, you know, to affect to to affect change and to, to create something that so many people see. So yeah, in in the interest of uh, honesty, I would love to see it. But I think more importantly, we want a flag that people are proud of, and that the majority or like a, a large swath of the polyamorous and non-monogamous community um, wants to use to represent themselves. Um, and if our symbol doesn't end up on that flag, that's great as long as that flag exists. Totally. All right. So one of our last ones is why are you poly? Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I listened to a couple of episodes and um, of, of your more recent episodes of the podcast and tried to figure out how I would answer this question. And I honestly don't know. Uh, to me, asking like why... I am polyamorous is like asking why I'm, I'm a man. Like, why am I a, a human person? Um, I don't know. I just, I just popped out. Here I am, you know, with, with all of my sentience. <laughs> I, I just think it, it, it um, I think it would be far easier for me to answer like, why, why are you ethically non-monogamous? And that's because like, I want to express my polyamory 
in in a way that is consensual and transparent and but actually oh it just occurred to me that like that's so shitty <laughs> there's like such a uh, like the how how do I, how can i say this the the field is kind of stacked against us right as as non-monogamists like monogamists are not expected to be perfect and this idea of like performing relationships ethically oh how damaging actually to to be like held to a, a much higher standard because of the stigma that exists i hadn't even that hadn't occurred to me until just now that sucks so bad yeah i think about that a lot with because I, I listen to a lot of like podcasts about feminism in in media and movies one of my favorite podcasts is the bechtel cast where they you know mm. examine movies based on based on the bechtel test but then also right. a lot of other criteria and it's so interesting to to say like, well, every female action, female led action movie has to be great because otherwise they're going to blame it on it being a, you know, the lead being a, a female action yeah. star. And, and it's so funny with that. We're kind of getting to this point where we can have a mediocre movie with a female lead and that'll be okay. It'll be okay. You know, like we, yeah. we can, we will go, we will live past this. We'll still get movies, but, mm -hmm. um, but for the longest time they had to be at like such a higher standard than all other movies. Cause you can have 50, you know, James Bond movies and nobody gives a shit if they're bad. Like they can yeah. be bad. They can be stupid. They can have really like silly scenarios happen, but mm -hmm. that's a Bond film and that's just what it is. And nobody cares. <laughs> but like you have one, you know, Black Widow or whatever come out and everyone hates it and or, or Wonder Woman or whatever and everyone is like do dogging it and saying it's disgrace to the genre and it's like well we're allowed to have bad shit too like whatever yeah. <laughs> no yeah. we have to be perfect we have to be perfect yeah. yes yeah but, yeah so Ooh. polyamorous folks do have sometimes yeah there's a lot of stigma there and to you know, and when folks, monogamous folks, folks ask us all these questions about like, do you feel jealousy? And it's like, well, but we're normal people. Like, yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. we do. Yeah, we're not perfect. Yeah. Or in the community, do you have bad apples? Yes, because they're people. Like, yeah, absolutely yeah. we do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. It's like the, I feel like if, if there was a, a polyamorous person to get into like a, a, a Me Too style scandal, I feel like there would be so much attention focused on the fact that they are polyamorous. Whereas that's not really a factor uh, in, in the like monogamous world of people being shitty, you know, yeah, no. it's, it's just blamed on they them. They never bring it up. Yeah. It's not brought up that they're monogamous. Yes, like we all heard it on January 6th that that woman who was killed in the insurrection was polyamorous. Right. Yeah. Yep. Not the representation we wanted, but it's the representation we got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So why did you agree to be interviewed? Well, it was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> why did you want to be interviewed? I, I, I guess, yeah, uh, to be fully honest, I want there to be more polyamorous uh, content in the world. Um, I want there to be more choices for polyamorous people to you know have media that they can consume uh and so being a part of that is great i think like the, the podcast that you have is incredibly admirable um in adding to the media that we have uh and also i really want to tell people about polyam proud and and what we're doing um and i really want as many people 
to know and participate as possible. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. interested in more polyamory uncensored content you're in luck we just started a blog polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com we're going to be showcasing stuff like episode breakdowns polyamory and ethical non-monogamy related book reviews and guest posts from authors like you if you'd like to be a guest author contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com and you might be able to see your work up on our website Again, that's polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com, and we're going to have some fun, new, poly-related content for you. Thanks. See you there. We are back with Christian, and we are going to talk about the Polyam Proud group, the community organization, and the FLAG project that they are that we kind of have already talked about in the beginning of this podcast. So, what design elements are important at the moment for the flag i know you have done some i don't know if they're preliminary or if they're the like votes and polls you've already taken are what are are, is the data you're using but like what elements kind of have you narrowed down to Mm, that's a really good question so so a lot of our our design work has been so far and will be based on um, this, uh, some people call it a book. I call it a pamphlet cause it's quite short. Uh, it's called good flag, bad flag by, uh, the North American vexillological association. And it basically, uh, creates a set of criteria, uh, for flag design and then gives examples of, you know, flags that are bad by, <laughs> because they don't fit into these standards and flags that are great because they do. And then also flags that kind of break the rules but work anyway so like a notable example of that would be the flag of maryland which is um all over the place um it it's like uh checkerboard patterns like within a four quadrants and also i think two fleur-de-lis uh and red and white and black and yellow and it's there's so much um but it's also a great flag um it's so memorable and so distinctive. Um, and so what's really important to us is that our design at least has those elements in mind, which um, are for it to be visually distinct or kind of borrow from existing symbology for it to be simple. Uh, that is like you can kind of read it quickly and as soon as you see it, you know what it is. Not necessarily like the flag tells you what it represents right right away, but that uh, once you see it and become familiar with what it represents, the next time you see it, you'll be able to recall quickly, oh, that was that flag. It should have meaningful symbolism. And typically in flags, it's just in colors, uh, but sometimes um, or often, I guess you'll see like star, moon, sun, that kind of thing. You don't want to use more than four colors. because it otherwise gets too busy. You don't want to use any lettering um, or a seal. Uh, So by these standards, the state flag of New York, which is just a blue field and the seal of New York um, would be considered a bad flag because there shouldn't be a seal because mostly because seals are too detailed. 
mm-hmm. um, that you can't really see what's on them uh, unless you're right up against that flag. Um, uh, but most of all that it's attractive and it looks balanced uh, to the viewer um, and especially to the viewer that it's representing. So um, the existing, the like the, the original flag um, fits within many of those criteria. Um, (laughs) And also I think is maybe most importantly, like quite unattractive. Um, It's so ugly. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, it's, it's hard to look at and not because not like necessarily by virtue of the design or the designer, but by virtue of like how it was created. So it, it, it was created on Microsoft Paint um, on a Windows 3 oh, in I 1995. Yeah. <laughs> so, and Jim, I, I spoke with Jim and um, I read, he has a, a couple of blogs about, about the flag and the flag design. And it's, it sucks because like he has gotten a lot of negative criticism and a lot of negative feedback about it. Um, but ultimately like this flag was quite helpful in kind of gluing the polyamorous community community together for years. Um, you know, it's only in the last uh, maybe five years that we've seen this proliferation of new designs. Um, and that's to do with uh, internet access. It's to do with um, design tool access. Um, and it's to do with this um, idea of like polyamory looks and feels quite different now than it did before. So people don't feel represented by this flag. Um, but regardless of um, its aesthetic qualities, it it has done its job. Um, but we're just ready to see something new, you know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I was just wondering, when it comes to colors, what are the ones that seem either important to you and the organization or the community? Yeah, good question. So I think most of the feedback that we get um, is that people really want to see the colors of the original flag reflected somehow in, in the new design. Um, I can say that none of the designs that we're looking at right now use the original color palette um, as it is. Um, we would really like to move away from using black entirely and maybe replacing that with a just a, a, yeah, a completely different hue, a much uh, lighter hue, um, because um, people who aren't familiar with the symbology of the flag typically associate the black with jealousy, which, or at least from what we've seen in our research online, uh, which is not true. And also, I think if we want to have a flag that is inclusive um, of uh, all people within the polyamorous community, we definitely don't want a color that's going to associate a race of people with something potentially negative, whether that's jealousy or being closeted, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, we definitely want to move away from the black. um, And we, there's kind of a divide because there are, there's feedback that we've gotten and our own design philosophies, like in, in the people that are on our team um, kind of thinking, well, the flag should have 
it should, you know, honor the, the flag, the original flag, and therefore maybe also be a little bit more visually identifiable as the polyamorous flag. Uh, that is like almost like taking a, a smaller step forward. Um, and then there are folks uh, who have the opinion that we should um, really depart from, from where it's been before because all of the existing flags on the internet, and there are well over 30 of them, um, some with the infinity heart, some with, uh, I've seen one with like a hexagon on it, um, uh, some j just stripes, some with a chevron, uh, so many different versions of the flag. Um, but most of them are those like tiny steps of mm -hmm. progress, right? Um, and it's, it's, I think it's not different enough from the original um, that people are willing to take it on as something new. Because if it's not different enough, why don't I just use the original flag? Mm -hmm. um, but so, yeah, we're, we're definitely considering um, other designs that have uh, gotten quite popular um, on their own. So one of those is um, Molly Colleen of Molly Makes Things. She, she did a design um, uh, which is, it's like two different shades of green and two different shades of blue and a white infinity heart. Um, and actually Molly Colleen was one of the first people that we talked to about what we're doing and she's on our team now and she's, uh, she's nice. helping us design our website and uh, in full support of the project. So uh, yeah, we're really happy to have her on board and um, definitely interested in, in, in her approach to design as well. So um is there yeah. symbolism in like the color choice? You know, I, I know with all flags, basically the colors all mean something, but are there specific colors that you guys are kind of leaning towards or hoping to use because of like color theory or, or color symbolism? Yeah, so um, it's interesting because color symbolism is now so, there's so many potential variations and so many like so many people have decided that a color means what a color means right totally. um that it, it's almost more effective to like create a design that's visually appealing and makes sense um and then kind of retroactively apply meanings to those colors um provided those meanings make sense within those colors um but i think uh, in terms of, I mean, we, we definitely want colors to, that will represent some of the, some of the same concepts that are represented on the original flag. So, uh, love, um, uh, emotional intimacy. Um, but I think we would probably just move that to, to intimacy in general, because it doesn't necessarily have to be emotional. Right. Um, and, we also want to make it clear that love doesn't mean romantic love. Uh, love means platonic love, queer platonic love, sensual love, um, you know, all of the different types of attraction that there are. Um, we want to be just represented by the single word love. And that's like uh, a, more of a semantic issue, I think, than, a, than an issue of design, really. I mean, it seems pretty important to most people in the community that there's... Um, an emphasis on like multiplicity. Uh, a lot of people love the infinity heart. A lot of people love the infinity symbol itself. We're really hesitant about co-opting the infinity symbol because it's um, representative of the uh, 
people on the autism spectrum. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, that's like the, the one of the leading symbols within the autistic community is the infinity symbol. Um, Whereas the infinity heart is pretty much exclusively used by polyam folks, right? I, I'm not sure, but well, I'm uh, yeah, we would yeah. <laughs> we would hope, but um, actually, we've we've done quite a bit of research into this, um, and there are a lot of monogamous folks who use the infinity heart and have no idea of, about its association with polyamory, yeah. and and honestly, don't need to because the meaning of the infinity heart is so vague. Because, and we we have a whole we have a post. Um, that that talks about this in in depth, but um, basically, like, so the heart can represent romantic love, but it can also represent just love, uh, you know, as as I was talking about before, more generally. Um, but then also, the infinity sign can represent um, an infinite quantity of something, um, but it can also, uh, um, in in kind of. A, a two or three dimensional space, but it can also represent infinity in, in the fourth dimension of time, right? So the, that there is um, this quality of eternity to it. And there are a lot of folks within the community who have that association with infinity and eternity. And they go, well, I don't think that my relationships are eternal. And I don't, especially in um, like solo polyamory or, you know, people who are just in open relationships, they're like, well, it's not about forever to me. Um, and it shouldn't be, um, you know, we don't, I, I don't think that, um, that's not an inherent quality to the concept of love in polyamory, right? And, be, but it's not inherently so exactly. And, and also I think it's kind of dangerous to, to use the longevity of a relationship as a metric for a relationship success. I agree with that. Um, and so, so I think. I think the infinity heart becomes kind of um, imperfect in that way because it, because it has been co-opted uh, by the monogamous community and also in, within Christianity as well. Um, a lot of people use it to represent um, the eternal love of God or the infinitely reaching love of God. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Although I have had the experience of seeing someone and luckily it was, a, it was another sexual educator. So I kind of just assumed because there's a lot of poly and queer folks in the sex education community and they had a, like an infinity heart tattoo on their wrist. And I was like, oh, I like your poly heart. And she was like, what? Like <laughs> my sister and I got this like when our mom passed away or something, you know, we both got matching tattoos. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. uh, sorry. You know, like, and, <laughs> and I explained to her that that's kind of something that I've seen a lot in the poly community. I also have an infinity heart tattoo and it refers to polyamory and infinite love in general. Right. But, uh, and she was like, Oh, I did not know that. And then I think she kind of walked away like, Oh no, I have a poly symbol. On me. I got a poly <laughs> tattoos. Right. Like, awkward. Yeah. But that's yeah. true. I met, I did not think about like the a, Christ, a Christian, but uh, it being a Christian symbol, or 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 them maybe appropriating appropriating it as a symbol for themselves. I'm not really sure because we don't own it by any means. But okay. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I do think that's one of the things that you know any kind of existing symbol is going to speak to people in different ways, and you can't control how people read your content. Yep. So, you know, whatever we make 
is subject to that interpretation by the viewer. Yeah, but but it does speak to your point, I think, Christian, about wanting to create something more new. Yes. Yeah. So um, we definitely want we it feels important to us to to have something that is distinctly polyamorous, that is it's designed uh, with polyamory in mind um, and that it's not derivative of an existing symbol. And we're we're also kind of looking to, uh, you know, existing flags to inform the way that we go about designing ours. So if one of the ones, um, and we featured it recently on our Instagram, was the the intersex flag. It's got a a purple circle, um, uh, which is filled in the center with yellow, and it's on a a yellow field. Um, It's so simple and it's so striking. Um, And the circle, like, the symbology of the circle is like, like you could, that could mean so, so many things. Um, and yet the, the circle, like with those colors in that form is so distinct now to the intersex community. And they've been able to sort of rally behind it, that, that design. Um, and so it, it does feel really important for us to introduce something kind of never before seen um, that now the world within polyamory and outside of polyamory sees it and they go, that's polyamory. So what's the process? You've talked a little bit about, you know, wanting to have these representatives from throughout the world and representing a very diverse group of, of viewers. What's the process by which you hope to create and launch the, this flag? And, and what's the timeline that you are dreaming of? Sure. Um, so the, the process um, is basically going to look like, um, well, we want it to be as democratic as possible. Uh, and that's in part why we're doing this sort of representative committee. Um, and so what we are doing now, it's, it's kind of a four phase process. Um, and it's, it's outreach. Um, it is um, designing the flag hosting the vote and then disseminating the flag. So um, during this outreach phase, um, which is, you know, you, we're in the middle of it right now with you um, and, and building our, our online presence as well. Um, we are collecting feedback from the community um, talking about, talking about flag design, talking about, or the values of polyamory um, and hearing from, you know, as many different voices as we can um, about, um, you know, what, what symbols and what, what feels right to polyamory. Um, and also based on some like previous uh, flag votes that have been done. Um, I know poly, polyphilia blog, who has a, a, a large presence on Facebook and Instagram did a, a flag vote uh, with some existing flag designs. Um, Polly M. Pham, who, uh, his name is Chad, and he's uh, now a, a designer as well, but he has a, a polyamory meme page on Facebook and on uh, Instagram, did a flag vote. Uh, and so we're using a lot of the feedback that, that they got uh, as well. Um, and they're both uh, big supporters of our project now too. Um, because they, they see the importance of 
uh, having having a flag that's representative of everyone. Um, so we're collecting community feedback. Uh, we're not going to have uh, an official open call for design submissions, but we do really want to see them. We know that uh, we can't uh, create a design that's representative of everyone if we don't hear as many voices as possible and get as many ideas as possible. Um, so we're absolutely considering submissions um, that, that mostly come through DMs on Instagram, but we um, are also confident in, in the designers that we have on, on our team, both within their knowledge of polyamory and their knowledge of design and flag design specifically. Um, so while we're doing the outreach um, and we're, we're also taking nominations for folks to be on the committee, uh, we'll build out the committee we will then present um, a number of designs to the to the committee. They will give us feedback, um, tell us what's working, what isn't, and decide based by vote among themselves. Give us that feedback, um, and then we'll send fewer designs to the committee. We'll get that whittled down to between two and four, though we 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 really believe that the fewer the better. Um, and then those two, two to four designs will be will go to the community-wide vote. That and we're currently building our voting platform now uh, with the help of uh, Poly Pirates, who's another um, Instagram account meme account, who's also got a background in in coding language. Once the once the designs are chosen, they'll go up on our website and they'll be also introduced uh, across different social media and across you know uh, disseminated. Um, through PR um, as well. Um, we're trying to get into, into contact with um, different like queer-oriented um, magazines and periodicals uh, as well to kind of get the word out. Um, and so we're hoping, our, the, we know that this is like quite an ambitious goal, but we're hoping to host the vote during the month of November of this year. Um, and to announce the new flag um, that has been chosen by vote on the 23rd, which is Canada's polyamory day, um, which is also growing to be maybe a more global celebration of polyamory. The 23rd um, of November? The 23rd of November, yeah. So in Canada, that was a, there was a, um, a big um, legal and political victory for polyamorous rights, uh, in Canada on that day, uh, which is why that is the day. Um, but so, right, we're hoping to have phase three, which is the vote during November, uh, but that is absolutely gonna depend on um, the speed of our outreach and also whether we can assemble this committee in that amount of time. Um, we basically need the committee to be uh, completely in place in early September. Um, end of September at the very, very latest. And then we have to move quite quickly. Um, um, but we definitely want this done before Pride 2022 because it'll be the sort of first post-COVID Pride event. And um, we want the vote to happen as early as possible because phase four of our plan, which is dissemination of the design, um, involves getting that design registered in the uh, Creative Commons and then having as many merchants as possible um, that are already selling like 
pride paraphernalia um, and who probably are already selling paraphernalia with the original polyamorous flag on it um, to, to get into contact with them and say, hey, the polyamorous community had this vote. This was the flag that was chosen. Swap yours out. Um, and then that way you get... Um, you get this new design as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. Um, you also are empowering like uh, business owners and small business owners um, with this new design that people are going to be looking for because we're trying to get as many people involved in this process as possible. Um, and also the additional benefit of um, reaffirming the fact that we are not doing this for financial gain at all. Like we are absolutely running in the negative as an organization <laughs> um, because we're, we're everything that we've done so far, like we've paid for out of pocket. We do have a GoFundMe um, up and running, um, which is accessible through our link tree uh, and our, I think our website, but which is polyamproud.com, but definitely our Instagram and the link tree there. But um, mostly we're doing this, um, just with our own spare whatever we have because we want this to be for the community and we're passionate about getting this done for everyone it's it's not about us that's really cool actually that was gonna be my next question where will people be able to find flags when they're when it's finished but it sounds like a lot of distributors will be able to have it right that's really yeah cool. hopefully everywhere so yeah, yeah our, our symbol that we designed the the polycule symbol is already registered in creative commons um, anyone can can use it um, as they see fit. Um, we we've seen a couple of people say like, "Oh, this the symbol is like kind of hard to draw," um, but I think it's hard to draw perfectly. Um, <laughs> right. I think in the same way that the infinity heart would be hard to draw perfectly. But if you can draw a heart, you can draw the polycule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just spin that paper around. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, as, as many distributors as we can get a hold of, um, we're also tossing around the idea of a Kickstarter. Um, we, we spoke with Daniel Quasar, who uh, designed the Progress Pride flag, which is that the rainbow flag with the, the chevron that has the trans colors. Yeah. Uh, and the, the black and brown stripe as well. Mm hmm. Um, I was just thinking about that because I've been seeing that flag all over and it is relatively new. Like I would say probably a year or two old, right? Yep, Maybe 20, just a year. 2018 it was designed. 18, yeah, because yeah, okay. we started seeing the Philly flag with the black and brown stripe. Yeah. And, yep. and that became pretty normalized. And then I kept seeing the one with the little triangle on the side. And, and it is interesting because even the, the pride flag specifically has evolved over time. Yep. But, you know, but it's still yeah. recognizably it's a still pride, pride flag. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think is that's what your goal, I think, is, right, with the poly flag. Yep. It's, we're evolving this, and it's still, if not even more, recognizable and inclusive as a poly flag. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. That's great. Um, and that's, so, yeah, we, we spoke with Daniel because we were hoping to get some insight about how that design was disseminated and um, that was in part through a Kickstarter campaign. So we're tossing around the idea of a Kickstarter because flags are expensive to make. Sure. Um, and if, if we can't find uh, manufacturers that are just gonna like produce the flag and, and get them in people's hands, then we may have to do it ourselves, but we would need the money to do it. So we're, we're thinking about a Kickstarter for sure. 
I think that would be cool because there's something to be said for, you know, all this work that you guys are putting into it. It would be nice to be able to have a thing that you can have and hold and say, hey, I helped make this. Yes. And we actually see that as like um, crucially important to making this project work um, is having a physical thing in the world is part of the part of the issue with all of these flags uh these different redesigns being disseminated online um part of the reason that they don't get picked up anywhere is because it's just online there's it's just you you click and then you click away that's it it's a facebook banner or it's an image that gets lost yeah right exactly i have a philly flag philly pride flag hanging on my front porch Yep. Because I went and sought it out because I liked it and it was easy to find and accessible. I would totally jump on your Kickstarter. I don't know if I'd get a flag, but I'd get like a mug with the flag for sure. (laughs) And, you know, I'm not entirely out, which is why I'm not sure I would put one out on the, you know, on my porch with my Philly pride flag. But I'm out enough that I would happily get pins or mugs or you know the t-shirt that i shared a flag that kind of stuff like i'd be delighted and Mm -hmm. i would be happy to support the work that you're doing in that same kind of way i have a i have another of like the original poly flag i bought i think i just found it on amazon right like it was just available online somewhere and i would like to update it because it was so funny. The reason I bought it is um, I'm in a burlesque troupe. And for mm. Pride three years ago, we decided that everyone in the troupe, because everyone, almost everyone, I think, identifies as queer. And so we decided that we would all kind of like buy our flags, dress in the color of the flags like that we identify with, and then also kind of wear it at, either as like a skirt or a sarong or cape or whatever. And so we had trans representation, lesbian representation, which are all different colors, right? And so everyone was wearing, and we had pan, two bisexual flags represented, or maybe three. And then, and I was like, I'm, you know what? Hell, I'm gonna do a poly pride flag. And so I bought it dressed all in red and we all had like burlesque outfits in our colors. So I had red, blue, and black, which was pretty easy for burlesque because almost everything is red and black. And mm-hmm. while walking in the pride parade, cause that's what we did it for. We were walking in the pride parade a bunch of people came out from the street up to me and were like, Hey, what does that mean? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, only people who are poly know what this is. Cause you know, of course, even there wasn't even a infinity heart on it. It was a pie symbol. And like, I, love me all the time, I have a thing yeah. about math. What yeah. does the pie symbol mean? And the, the thing that I keep saying, and I don't even know if this is what the designer had said is that it's the pie symbol is like infinite and illogical. I think mm. is what I had heard somebody say. And I was like, I like that. So I kept repeating that it's infinite and it's illogical, but <laughs> yeah. So there've been a lot of like, um, uh, meanings assigned to it, but uh, Jim Evans, uh, his original thought was, um, to echo the, the, the Lambda symbol, uh, which is the Greek L had been used, um, in the lesbian and gay community. Um, and he, so he was thinking of that, and poly, which is, um, you know, a, 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 the Greek, yeah. a, a Greek um, prefix. Um, and yeah, that would be spelled with 
the letter pi. Oh, I did not even put that together. That's so, so funny. Just, yeah, it's literally it's just, just, it might as well be a P. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would like, if we ever did that again and walk in the pride parade, I would love either a different color scheme. I mean, black, it, it, it was easy to do, so that was fine. But a new flag that's maybe more recognizable because, yeah, I, I had a bunch of people come up to me and were like, what are you? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah. And also, um, Katie, to your, to your point about, you know, not being all the way out, right? Um, we were really hoping that this um, also leads to the normalization and also like i was saying before the the the, like gaining of of civil rights and um the gaining of um uh i guess moving away from the stigma that exists and so to encourage more people to fly that flag on the front porch and to feel confident in doing so and like i absolutely understand your your hesitation to do it i mean I haven't posted anything about this project on my personal social media accounts because uh, as we talked about earlier of my, you know, pending conversation with my parents. Mm. Um, and I think doing this podcast is kind of um, a big step in that direction. Um, I think I'm, I'm probably just going to send them the audio <laughs> and well, have that be my way of coming out. So I hope that that leads to really good conversations with your family. I mean, the whole, I think that creating good symbols that are accessible to people is an important piece of that kind of advocacy, like visual advocacy has been very important in the LGBTQIA community. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an important thing in our community as well. It's obviously not the only thing, but I do think that it definitely makes a difference and it can also open those kinds of conversations like Lindsay's experience at pride, but hopefully, you know, if we have something that's a little bit more intuitively clear then Mm -hmm. the conversations i think will be easier for people yeah you know i i'm out to my parents and like i'm sort of in an open secret situation like all of my people know but um because of my job i'm not publicly out and i think we have a ways to go in terms of developing our civil rights agenda before I'm comfortable with that. Right. But, but I also know like my experience prior to recognizing my own polyamories, I was out as queer for a long time before there were good civil rights protections Mm -hmm. for being queer. And I was still like adamantly almost aggressively out in that Mm -hmm. context Mm -hmm. so i believe that all of that really really makes a difference and the more we can create public dialogue that is as you said before normalizing the more we can create an environment that gives people room to be fully out and advocating for whatever kinds of legal protections and family recognition, um, you know, it is that we have as goals for keeping ourselves and our families legally safe. Absolutely. And I think there is something to flying a flag that most people don't know, because 
at least for me, if I see a flag that I don't recognize, I Google it. Like the other day, um, I was just driving home from my in-laws house and I saw an American flag that was black and white, but with a red stripe. And I was like, is this a Blue Lives Matter thing? But like red and what does that mean? And so I, um, I Googled it and it means like firefighters. And I was like, yep. oh, okay, cool. Well, now I know. Now, if I see that again, I'll know that that's like representative of firefighters and, and um, EMTs. And I was like, well, that's cool. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I, uh, I feel like if I were to fly a, a poly flag that is brand new and no one knows, people will probably Google it. And they might also Google what, what polyamory is and what, um, you know, like maybe learn something, which is kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. And I hope that you guys are keeping like documents and like the ephemera of this process because it's a really interesting historical process. I had the great privilege many years ago of going to South Africa and I happened to go to their um, flag museum mm. and it had, a, you know, thousands of flags that were sent in that they had an open democratic process for what should our new flag look like. Mm. And so they had like the thousands of examples of flags that people had submitted and they had the historic flags since their colonization period. And mm. um, they had a very grumpy uh curator who complained that the new flag was not, uh, you know, done with sound. Is it what's Excellent. the word? Vexological. <laughs> sound vexological principles and all of those things were like so interesting to me to go and see and then to you know see out in the world like people with their t-shirts and hats and flags and bumper stickers and you know everything else that now was festooned with their new post-apartheid flag and the excitement around that and while you know you probably won't be in that kind of same level of category. Um, it's still cool. And I'm sure that there's some archive somewhere that would like to hold this material for future historians and cultural anthropologists. Yeah, I think I think that you're right. And um, luckily, most of most all of what we're doing is um, is digitized. So um absolutely the the records exist um and and will very cool well when the vote actually comes out we would love to share you know like especially well and it'll probably be around regular voting season too which is nice so <laughs> november we'll just know to vote uh, yeah <laughs> <Vote> again <laughs> vote, vote all the time yeah um so it won't just be on instagram though it'll be kind of everywhere yeah so so um the vote itself will happen on a a, a distinct like separate voting platform oh great okay. um, that will i it should just be accessible through a browser like it'll be it'll basically be a website cool. built specifically for the vote cool. um and we it'll we're trying to make it as secure and fair as possible so sure. um like it'll we're hoping that maybe it can just track ip or maybe just like enter an email address so that we prevent like a, do what we can to prevent multiple votes um, from a single person. And then also, uh, I think, like, randomizing the order in which the flags are shown to people um, to, to make it as fair as possible. Um, but, yeah, that we're hoping to have that done by early September. 
Um, and then, yeah, we'll be going through the sort of testing process of that as we work with the committee. Um, and, but our different social media pages will be where the like information is going. And but although people can go to our website right now, polyamproud.com, um, and sign up to get notified about the vote. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So the, yeah, if, if you just put your email in and you, you'll go on our list so that once the vote is ready to happen, you'll get an email that has all the information you need. Very cool. And just to kind of wrap things up, what are all of the like links and, and places people can find you? Yeah, so primarily um, at Pollyam Proud on Instagram. So P-O-L-Y-A-M Proud on Instagram is our primary like means of disseminating information. Uh, but we're building out a Tumblr. It's Pollyam Proud. Uh, we're building out um, Facebook, also Pollyam Proud. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, also at Pollyam Proud. Um, we I'm trying to think of where else. Oh, uh, we're changing over our email system, I think, but you can contact any of us at um, polyamproud at gmail.com for the time being. Those are, yeah, those are the main things. And then polyamproud.com. We have, we have a link tree, which is, has all this stuff, which is just <laughs> link, linktr.ee slash polyamproud. That's easier. I'll just put that in our notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's it's it's got all that and there's uh, one of polyamory awareness is a um, an Instagram account with um, tons and tons of followers and uh, they uh, are selling actually some some merchandise with the polycule symbol on it if cool. people are interested. Okay. Um, it's just black and white though for now because we don't know what the new poly colors are going to be. Yeah. Um, uh, you can also from the link tree download uh, download the polycule um, and and use it manipulate it however you like. Um, yeah. Awesome. Great. Cool. This has been so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm cool. I'm so appreciative to to have been uh, involved in the show and I'm really happy to to have your your interest and and to be able to talk about what we're doing. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming and thanks for sharing all this information. And I hope that lots of our listeners will participate in the voting process. Me too. <laughs> the more, the better. All well, right. Terrific. Thank you thank both you. so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks nice meeting you. Take care. Nice meeting you. Bye. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.